Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a nutritionist and a bodybuilder and a powerlifting enthusiast. Rob Fortress Fortney here, um, former editor at Muscle International, former competitive bodybuilder and uh, strength enthusiast and powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm the founder of LiftForHope.org, StrengthGuild.com, a competitive powerlifter and Highland Games athlete. All right. Today we have a guest, um, Bill Pichet. And uh, he is a grip strength expert. So this is going to be kind of interesting today for all you people out there. And I, I'm sure most people out there will uh, be probably shocked at, you know, just how important grip strength can be to, you know, overall development, uh, whether you're a bodybuilder or certainly, you know, it, compete as a pure strength athlete and so forth. So we're going to get to Bill in just a second. Um, but, of course, be, as most of our listeners know, before we do that, we're going to... Uh, um, have a, some news, maybe a couple letters, and maybe uh, Lonnie has some uh, science things. But before we get to that, we just wanted to actually send a shout-out thank you to Zach Frankenhauser. Um, Zach, thank you very much. You made a, I think, that it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, Lonnie, that's the biggest donation to the day, right? Uh, well, no, but it's it's significant. So, yeah, it's Okay. Great. Well, anyway. The point, and the point, and our gratitude, right. Whether, whether it's 50 cents or 100 bucks or $10,000, we don't want to make it seem like you're, you're, you know, we're, we, we have preferential treatment for anybody. But we just wanted to make it because, you know, lots of people have been donating, and we very much appreciate that. Um, but Zach made a, a quite substantial donation, and, and, you know, we just want to give a, you know, quote-unquote shout-out to him to say, you know, thank you very much. I mean, it's a kind of a good uh, vote of support there so thank you very much yeah and you know if i can follow up on that too um listeners all you have to do is email rob or i and say yeah i got you know five reviews on itunes for you and i'll send you stuff i mean so (laughs) (laughs) cash in guys you got to cash in you got to tell us because i mean we had like 30 plus reviews come out of nowhere you know uh, saying really great things, and uh, again, we may read those in the future. But you know, if you were someone who was instrumental in getting you know five people to to just sort of uh, make a comment, fantastic. Uh, we're, we're not fishing for compliments here. If you think we're we're fools, then tell us, you know. But uh, anyway, yeah. So just make sure you send that email and get the credit that's due. Yeah. Let me read a couple letters here that we got here. Um, of course, one of them actually was. Uh, Mr. Frankenhauser, and he was just um, you know saying that he uh, we put on a great show and he had great rest and he appreciates it and clearly thank you very much. He's 26. Um, he's been strength training seriously for two years, um, but every time I hear one of you guys or guests talk about the process of punching the clock, which is a, a phrase that's kind of come to be used over and over here at Iron Radio, it confirms what I'm learning in the gym every week that small gains over time lead to big numbers. Thanks again, absolutely. So again, thanks to Zach. Um, we got uh, a, a email here from uh, William Moran. Hey guys, I'm listening to the episode. Um, he wanted to know, and, and Lon, you can help me with this. And I, and I told, uh, I think I mentioned this to him that we would I would ask this question of you, Lonnie, this week. Is there any research about lifespan among strength athletes while the added calories help with strength gains? Does any literature talk to the long term consequences? Thanks, Will Moran. So. Yeah. Um, without getting too too much into that, Lonnie, can you maybe uh, 
give a little summary. Sure, and I'll tell you, that's going to spin into my one of my news blurbs for the day, but um, I would suggest you go check out on tnation.com. I wrote an article a couple of years ago called High Stakes, you know, sort of a play on the words, and it's a, actually a literature review on the idea that if calorie restriction can enhance lifespan in animals, for example, um, you have to restrict calories more than what's comfortable, though, like a 30% restriction. So yeah. it's, you know, you'd, you'd live a long, miserable life, probably. <laughs> but nothing that I've seen before specifically to weight lifters. I mean, um, and that's a good question, too, because there are um, trade-offs. I mean, for example, lifters, because of the calorie burning that they do, you know, with either in the gym or from carrying all that extra muscle mass, you know, you're going to burn half a dozen to a dozen extra calories per pound of muscle that you pack on. And, you know, that can add up to a couple hundred calories a day if you're a big guy. But the point being is, so on one side, there's, you know, we're, we are stuffing our faces. On the other side, we're burning more calories, too. Uh, so, you know, it's really hard to kind of tease that apart. But it's a, that's a clever question because population specificity is a big deal in research. You know, what happens in, in uh, you know, ladies or old folks or whatever may not be true of, you know, your typical 35-year-old male lifter. So in general, though, um, yeah, that's what the article brought up, that high-stakes article was – does overeating actually shorten our lifespan because your metabolism does speed up when you eat more and faster metabolism, you know, you're burning through what you've got a little bit faster there. So as it is, men live shorter lives than women and who knows, maybe that this is all tied in there. So let me go to the news of the day though, Rob, if I can just because. Yeah. And and I have one more email. Uh, I want to read too. So, okay. uh, Well, let me get through this and then I'll share my second news blurb after that because this is just right on the money here. Okay. This is a spanking new from a conference. This is literally only um, like two days old from BBC News. Big meals uh, in memory loss link in elderly. So what they're talking about here is uh, they were investigating mild cognitive impairment. And listen to this. Research presented at a conference claimed a high-calorie diet was linked to having twice the risk of cognitive impairment compared to those who ate a low-calorie diet. Oh, boy. Um, we're screwed. Uh, Mild cognitive impairment has become increasingly interesting to researchers as it may help predict who will go on to develop dementia, such as Alzheimer's. A team at the Mayo Clinic in the U.S. has investigated the effect on uh, over 1,200 people. Now, they were older people. They were 70 and over. Um, But I just think it's interesting. It says the patients were divided into low-calorie intake, so subjects who just ate 600 to 1,500 calories a day, a middle group of 1,500 to about 2,000 calories a day, and then a high-calorie group of two to 6,000 calories a day. Wow, six is a lot. Um, and then they looked at the incidence of mild cognitive impairment. The results were presented at the annual meeting of the American Academy of Neurology. Um, they showed no difference between the low- and middle-calorie intake groups. However, the high-calorie group had more than double the risk of developing uh, mild cognitive impairment. Um, researcher Dr. Jonas Gita said, we observe a dose response pattern, which simply means the higher the amount of calories consumed each day, the higher your risk of getting cognitive impairment. Um, they, they can't really speculate on the cause, but they did say, suggest that the potential therapy for this and keeping uh, cognitive impairment and things like maybe Alzheimer's away would be cutting calories. Well, that's probably not something we're going to be doing, so... Anyway, bad news that in a way. Not an you know, and it's thematic. That's all. We're gonna say there, Phil. I said that's not an option. No, no, not at all. It's just. I got a uh, good email here from uh, a gentleman in um, Denmark, 
and his name is Henry uh, Henry Sorensen, I believe. Anyway, he's uh, he uh, sends a nice email in. Uh, thanks for the best show on the air. How's that? Eh? He's a competitive power for Denmark Raw. Uh, he says it's, the sport is growing rapidly in Scandinavia and soon overtaking equipped lifting as a number one niche sport. So how's that? Hey, what he says some of the podcasts have killer guitar riff intro. What is the song he needs it? Lonnie, what is that song? Oh, our intro is from Phil's brother's band, right? Uh, okay, so Phil, so fill fi- fi- him in, Phil, fill him in, yeah. Phil, with with the, the name of the song and your brother's band. Well, it's depending on which he's listening to. The old old shows, like the first six months, we had Slayer on there, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah. the, uh, for the last year and a half, it's been uh, my brother's band's mm-hmm. Iron Guts Kelly, and I don't remember the song. Right. Okay, so it's either Phil's brother's band there, buddy, or, uh, you know, kind of an older Slayer song that we had chosen. Um, I Have him email me. Have him email me and I can, uh, right. get him a CD or something. Yeah. Anyway, so he's, he's doing really good. He's, um, he's, he, oh, and he was saying Lonnie needs to quit being afraid of weighing 220 plus pounds. You're becoming kind of like a little bit of a, um, just a little metro. A little metro there. Oh. We got, we got listeners. I am a, Harry, <laughs> bald, goateed. Oh, come on! <laughs> Only anyway. you know, I, it's all life is relative. Only Phil could look at me and say Metro. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. My I, body mass index is 31. <laughs> anyway, we, so yeah, thank you, Henrik, for. Uh, I hope I, I'm saying your name properly. Um, and he's doing really well. He's 40 years old, drug free, um, and he's you know he's got a full time job and all that kind of stuff. Oh. Um, actually, he, he, here he's talking about the best raw lifter that's in Denmark, and he sent me a, a nice YouTube uh, clip. I think his name is also Henrik um, Sorensen. I don't know which one. I, I think you're both named Henrik. Um, Sorensen is either the best raw lifter in Denmark, or he's you. So either way, I apologize. But if you go in there and you type this in, Henrik Raw Sorensen Nordland, 2010 squat, he does I think it's like a six. 625, 630 squat. And quite honestly, guys, it's one of the nicest squats I've ever seen. Very nice. So, uh, I mean, it's deep as hell and it's, it's awesome. So anyway, thanks for, for sending the, the, the letter. We're glad that you appreciate the show. And yeah, thanks for sending the clip and stuff. And you know, as with all the rest of our listeners, you know, if you, if you keep us on track of the things that you're doing, I mean, he, this guy here is competitive. So, you know, um, when you compete and stuff, let us know how you do. We'd, uh, Always like to stay stay on top of how our listeners are doing, whether you know personally in the gym with new per- PRs or you know their performance in, in in meets. And I we all know that you know your performances in meets might not always be mind blowing like my recent one, but you know, hey man, it's the uh, it's the effort that counts. So good stuff, man. Thanks. Um, speaking of squatting, I'll give you a little training update. You guys all know about my hip, but um, went in. It's been months since I since I went down and just tried to squat the parallel and. Uh, Hit 545 for a triple this weekend. Mm, so, nothing wow. wrong with that. Yeah. How, how did it feel? Pain? Or? Oh, yeah, I hurt now, but it wasn't bad during. I was nice and hyped up. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm a little sore now, but it's, you know, every few months I can get in there and do that. So um, just to test where I'm at. So the training's working. So I'm going to go. I'll wait another month and a half and uh, go for a single, and then i got a meet coming up. So Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I don't want to tangent too much, but... Uh, yeah, I squatted a couple of days ago, and I'll tell you what, just doing work sets in a, a medium range, so I'm working like mid threes, but I'm doing, you know, 25 repetitions 
you know, in that range and got, I mean, I, you guys can laugh. I, I accidentally bought some straight leg jeans the other day instead of like baggy or relaxed. And they're not going over my legs, you know, yeah. and you guys know that. And, yeah. and even, even my relaxed jeans, I, I couldn't get on, you know, I, I, so I'm putting on some weight there. So people keep, keep ripping on me, but that's fine. <laughs> well, don't, don't you normally though, Lonnie, don't you normally wear the Lululemons? What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, the squatting's going good on my end too. That's (laughs) let's pull this rain it back in. Okay. Do we have any more, Lonnie? I have one last one. I just wanted to share this because this is this is brand new stuff. uh, February fifteenth. The FDA is on the brink of approving genetically engineered salmon for human consumption. I brought this up a couple of months ago, but now um, there's a group called MoveOn.org, and they do some political-type things and whatnot. But anyway, uh, it said this would be the first genetically engineered animal on supermarket shelves in the United States. So I know lifters you know, go for the salmon, I think rightly so. The, the salmon is engineered to produce growth hormones year-round that cause the fish to grow at twice the normal rate. How about that? The government already requires labels to tell us if the fish is wild-caught or farm-raised, but we don't have the right to know if our salmon is genetically engineered. And, of course, most people do support that. So this is just sort of a petition to try to get the FDA to actually label which of the salmon is genetically modified. So anyway, yeah, first genetically modified meat on the market, guys. Do you get any GH spillover from eating these particular fish? (laughs) If we could somehow speculate on air, we'd have thousands of listeners running out to get their salmon. (laughs) Double the growth rate, I'm in. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's all I've got. Okay, so uh, again, we have Bill Pichet. Uh, thanks, Bill, for being on the show with us. Hey, thanks, guys. And by the way, I had salmon for lunch today. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's got a grocery showing right now. Um, yeah, so actually, Bill contacted me a, a two or three months ago. Um, just, and, and, you know, he's, he's he is the grip strength guy. He's got a, a couple cool... Uh, uh, places you can go to check his stuff out. He's got uh, Mash Monster Elite, uh, MashMonster.com website. It's a uh, it's grip board certified, which is kind of cool. And I, I uh, haven't gone through all of it yet, but it's pretty neat. Um, tell us a little, first a little bit about yourself and um, Bill, and then we'll start talking a little bit some about your sites and some of the stuff that you have going on. Okay, well, uh, back in uh, about 1978, um, for sports, I, I started lifting. And uh, mainly it was because I was the, the old nut, basically about a 100-pound weakling, and uh, they had this universal bench press, believe it or not, to school in this uh, 220 bench club. And uh, that's how it all got started for me. And I remember getting underneath that sucker and, and uh, getting crushed with about 100 pounds as a freshman. And uh, so looking at the big seniors at that time and just wanting to excel in sports and specifically football, I uh, I started looking around for information and, and uh, found uh, Muscle Builder Power on the newsstands uh, after that and, of course, looked around to see who was looking while I purchased it. Yeah, and, of course, that magazine, then. for people who are listeners out there, that magazine actually became Muscle and Fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you, back then you always kind of looked around to see who who was looking as you purchased it, and uh, <laughs> right, right. You know, I uh, you know looked for powerlifting in there uh, originally just because you know I, I actually connected up with powerlifting more. They had powerlifting articles, and because I wanted to not only of course look like the bodybuilders in there, but I wanted to be you know as strong as Franco Colombo and 
And, of course, the picture of him deadlifting and picking up the backs of cars was uh, kind of the inspiration, too, as well. And when I started lifting, you know, I I started, you know, getting stronger, obviously, and doing better in sports. So it just kind of fed itself from that perspective. And then pretty soon I was trying to grab everything I could on powerlifting out there. And and, and finally, 1981, I actually subscribed and found Powerlifting USA. And uh, so I've been a sub- subscriber to that ever since 1981, actually. And even though I no longer competitively powerlift, um, which I started exactly when basically I, I said, hey, it's something I want to get interested in doing. Um, was done with the team sports by that time when I graduated with high school. And uh, about that time also, I learned about the squat. I know you guys were, were talking about that earlier. And and uh, started squatting. You know, it was kind of frowned upon in sports even back then. And uh, there was no real formal strength programs. And, and you know, I gained 30 pounds in a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, went quickly into past the 181 class, directly into the 198-pound class. Okay. And um, competed from about 81 to 93 time frame. And, yeah, you, uh, actually about, dead, you, you actually deadlifted 600 pounds in the 198-pound weight class, correct? Yeah, I I was getting majority of the time, except for the deadlift, during that course of time, I was getting smoked. <laughs> and But I was fairly competitive um, at the state level from the, a deadlift standpoint when I was in three-lift meets. And yeah, because you, you put in, in, in your bio here, it says that one time you were ranked in the top 50 in the states for drug-free power thing. Yeah, that was a, about that time back in the, in, it would be the late 80s, the American Drug-Free Powerlifting Association. Back then, powerlifting was a heck of a lot more straightforward than it is today. Right, right. From an organization standpoint, and uh, American Drug-Free Powerlifting Association just started as a, a, the second org back then. Oh, okay. um, there was, you know, the United States Powerlifting Federation was it, you know, and uh, so they started up an organization, and it was like, hey, you know, maybe I can do even better than that. And they started publishing, you know, top 50 lists, uh, lists in all the lists. And uh, I saw what the, the lists were, and it's like, hey, I, I can, uh, as a goal, if I get triple body weight and hit 600, I can, uh, you know, hit the top 50. And so I actually hit number 49 that year. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I was 193 at the time. And, and uh after that, uh, life kind of entered into the picture with with uh, kids and then wrecking myself <laughs> over the course of uh, not using proper form. You know, powerlifting was kind of like, okay, either you, you uh, do or die, man, back then, including the deadlift. And uh, that kind of took its toll. And so um, at that point, you know, I'd pretty much retired, uh, you know, still lifting and still powerlifting but not competing at the time and mm-hmm. just had a bunch of injuries. And, and I actually read um, – it's called Hard Training Newsletter, and, and Brooks Kubik, I don't know if you're familiar with Brooks, but he wrote an article in there, and he talked about grip strength mm-hmm. and um, the captains of crushed grippers. And um, at that time, there weren't too many that had been certified as a captain of crush. And so I, hey, this is one area of my body I hadn't wrecked yet <laughs> through lifting was my, my hands. And uh, so I started, um, bought some captains of crush grippers and, and started working with those and uh, see how far I could get. And uh, it kind of snowballed from there. About that time, the Internet started kicking up, and uh, one of the, the first grip board was not actually called grip board at all. It was just uh, one of those free message boards, and, and pretty soon there was a, a bunch of guys talking about grip strength on there right. and exchanging information. 
Hey, and, um, for our uh, listeners, he's uh, Bill's referring to uh, gripboard.com, which uh, actually I've just recently now joined uh, to become a member. Kind of neat little uh, different because it's very specific to uh, grips and so forth. So I, I certainly encourage listeners to go over and check that out, gripboard.com. So sorry, Bill, go on. And then, uh, you know, as part of this also, you know, in hindsight, I wish during the time I was in sports that I'd started working my grip as well because it's kind of the, if you go to most, majority of gyms do not have equipment to work grip strength. And no, the smart they don't. Strength, the smart strength coaches out there will have equipment to work grip, especially in the combat sports. And uh, so, I, I, you know, we exchanged information. I did everything on normal in training that I'd done previous to that, and it didn't work <laughs> in order to close the captains to crush, you know, number three. And, and finally, believe it or not, much like, uh, you know, the, the manual labor, the blacksmith um, went to there from the perspective in, in doing some wave programming from uh, from a volume stand, standpoint, went very high volume. You know, a la cabs, you know, you say you need to use higher, you know, use your hands all the time. And uh, developed a grip program uh, for myself that I shared later, but uh, was finally successful um, to, to, you know, be certified in Captain's of Crush. And then after that, if you actually look on the list, there's uh, a lot of people started going to the the grip board and exchanging information. And uh, Mm. over the course of time, the rules have actually changed to make it, uh, more appropriately harder because kind of back then we didn't really know about when you set the gripper in your hand what the depth between the handles when you start. It's kind of like almost right, doing right, a partial yeah. squat sure, and uh, in, or squatting high. And, and myself included, we're, we're kind of clueless from that perspective. And, and so the, over the course of time, now you actually have to use a credit card between the handles, for example, oh, okay. uh, for the captains of crush um certification. Right. Um, during that time also, we decided to start our own certification, and that's where I, I came up with the, the MASH Monster certification that you referred to earlier, Right. Uh, MASHMonster.com. And, and one of the things with um, the MASH Monster certification is, is you always want to know how you compare to others um, with respect to grip strength. And um, the Iron Mind certification really was you could use your own Captains of Crush number three well, we also uh, had figured out at the time there's variances. I mean, they're they're not expensive items to begin with, so you can't expect them to be perfect. And so what what we did in the Mash Monster certification is actually had the the original guy Warren uh, Teeting that created uh, for Iron Mind the grippers um, special grippers that actually travel to the athletes. And so at say Mash Monster has eight levels right now. And so if you get on this, what we call the MASH Monster Pyramid, and are able to qualify, basically when you close the level one gripper, you know that everyone else closed the exact same gripper. Okay, right. so we now, are these the grip? Are, I'm sorry to interrupt. Are these the Go grippers ahead. that you're always reading about or certain the ones I did, you know, a few years ago when I was you know, had access to a lot of the old Milo magazines? Are these, are these those types of yes. grippers? Yep. Okay. And okay. and we had uh, the ones for Mash Monster are specifically made were special made, so there uh, we have a guy that that actually deploys them to the athletes when they and they sign up on the grip board for the different levels of certification. Oh. And so literally you have to go right right now. We have two guys at, at Mash Monster Seven, and that 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 is just a beast of a gripper to close. Let me tell you. And uh, so now, do you um, need gigantic hands to close something like that? No, no, you don't. In fact, um, 
average size hands can do fairly well for all the different grip feats, um, including bending nails. We've got guys that are really into bending steel, for example, as well as part of grip strength. And uh, if you have, say, a guy that's 5'5", it's probably going to be a little bit limited to be able to set the gripper to get it started properly. But a normal, you know, 5'8", you know, 5'7", person that's got pretty normal size hands isn't going to have any problems, okay. um, you know, getting the start for the gripper. Um, there's a whole boatload of other things from a grip strength standpoint, including there's open and, and closed um, hand type of grip strength and, and different exercises and, and, and equipment. In fact, um, there's the Mighty Mitts this year at, at, at the Arnold uh, um, Sports Festival that's going to have, um, it's literally a, a grip strength contest with multiple events and uh, that's going to be contested at the Arnold. You know, I can I can see myself getting kind of really into this. Actually, you know, the more we're talking, I look at these boards. For those uh, listeners who are just tuning in, we have uh, Bill Pichet here. Um, he's a grip strength expert, um, and he's just telling us a little bit about how he got into it and so forth. Um, he's got a bachelor of science degree in electrical engineering from Michigan uh, Michigan Technological University. He's a master of science degree in electrical engineering, and then he's been in, in powerlifting. He he held um, he was in the top fifty ranking. United States, uh, you know, a couple decades ago for for his deadlift prowess and so forth. And now you've written a lot about this too. I mean, in your bio, it's stating that you've you've written from everything from Powerlifting USA to what I mentioned before, Milo, which for our listeners who are unaware is a very is Milo still going? Yes, you bet it is. Okay, because yes, I love in Milo. Fact, in fact, my all my articles that I did for Milo actually the the first few were I literally went out and and contacted all the captains of Crush previous that I could and picked their brain right. and, and tried to see how they trained and everything to, to right. try and get. We, Kevin Fulton, for example, was a guy that, that, that uh, managed a farm, and he used to take a number two gripper and out on when he used to plow his fields and do singles with that, you know, like all night. Okay, and and he was very successful, which is one level below a three, and he would do like 400 singles. Okay, yeah, no, so and, I'm sorry. How many levels are there of those of the gripples grippers? So, so uh, for the captains of crush gripper right now, it goes all the way from below a trainer all the way to the ca- captains of crush number four, okay. and then the mash monster pyramid. We go all the way from what's called mash monster zero, which is the captains of crush three, um, all the way up to what what's called the mash monster level eight. We actually have right now. Uh, grippers. So Captains of Crush is the more known one that that really spawned all of this. I mean, Iron Mind and Milo had a had a, a big hand in spawning everything that that we're doing now with respect to even the grip board. Now, so um, the hardest one is the Mash Monster Eight, is it? Yeah, the the one right now that the guy just uh, we had two guys at the Mash Monster Seven level, and, and and one guy failed at the Mash Monster Eight. He tried that, and then for Iron Mind, uh, there's only a handful of guys at the Iron Mind number four, which is a, a freaking beast of a gripper. And then they, they also created a three. And since um, I started in grip, they created a three uh, half levels. So it goes, you know, you can start at a trainer and go one, one and a half, two, etc. So they actually have a three and a half in between the the three and the four, okay. and there's only a handful of guys that have done that as well. Okay, so, so uh, I'm sorry, did you say that somebody has done the, the, the hardest one? Yep, the number the Iron Mine number four. There's there's a handful. Of, I think there's three or four guys 
I did have closed the number four. Now nobody's closed it under the new rules, though that they have with <laughs> okay, with it with because the the rules had changed where you, you could close it with a credit card. You have to close it with a credit card at the start in between the handles. Okay. Okay. So officially, with the newest rules, there hasn't been anybody to certify, um, but there has been guys to certify on the, the 3.5. And I mean, there isn't that much difference between them, and that is like um, hydraulic crushing power. And these guys, you know, I've seen guys burst beer cans. They've got so much crushing power from that perspective. <laughs> the other, the other thing that's really cool about it, it's not necessarily body weight specific. Okay. okay? Where you you say okay the guy's got to be you know six foot three three hundred fifty pounds. Okay. You've, I've seen guys that are just freaky uh, you know that are one seventy six foot that that you you scratch your head and you go oh my god I can't believe that that guy's doing that you know whether yeah. it's picking up a, a dumbbell that's you know a, a two and a half three inch diameter dumbbell for example the the inch dumbbell. And, and you know, doing multiple reps, picking it up, and so I've seen some really freaky things, and it's not necessarily tied to, um, again, that only the the biggest you know get into it. But on the other hand, too, there isn't as many. Uh, uh, strong men tend tend to naturally do well when they get into grip strength. It's still untapped from a population standpoint. In oh, yeah. And that's why I actually approached you to kind of get it out there. And guys that are, for example, former powerlifters. You know they're they're pretty good. You know overall in the powerless are, are probably going to do pretty well from a grip standpoint if they were to do some specialized work with it. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's interesting, and and I like what you said about you know it not it being less determinant on you know the size of the person because you know there are listeners out there who have actually you know sent us emails and so forth. They're saying, you know, what about those guys who you know want to be freaky in in some capacity of strength, right? But we're just not you know, built to ever be, you know, 280 pounds or whatever it is. So, you know, so for our listeners out there who, who are that, I mean, this is another avenue to look at. And like I said, I mean, I mean, what you're saying is kind of exciting me a little bit, you know, to kind of maybe look into this a little bit more and stuff. It's it's pretty cool. So, again, so our listeners, you know, go and check some of this stuff out at mashmonster.com or, you know, gripboard.com, and you can see, read all about the stuff that uh, our guest today, Bill, is uh, is talking about. So, so I think you guys would definitely be interested and should look into it because, like like I said, it provided, you know, for me, it provided another avenue, another goal, you know, beyond where I where right. I was basic, basically had gotten injured and, and wanted something more and, and, yeah. and something at a very high level to achieve. And, and there's multiple feats within it, not just the grippers themselves. So, for example, one of, the, one of my goals was to, to basically pinch grip two 45-pound plates smooth side out with one Ooh, hand wow and, and you know and then and then of course doing it offhand you know is one of it as well so that yeah. so that was a, that was a goal there's a, another one called um lifting blob lifting and and that's the the top blob lift although guys have gone higher than this now it's basically the old half of an old york uh, globe dumbbell that you basically cut the sides of the handle off between the two uh the two globes and you basically pinch grip the thing to a full deadlift mm. and uh, of course it's it the sides get bigger as you know as you go out the old the yeah. old, old dumbbells and and uh and right, that's right. another feat of strength as well yeah well i mean so, it's it's very cool and i i i know, I know Lil, uh lonnie and phil 
would share this with me. I mean, it's, it's, it's very manly, you know, when you start thinking about, you know, having the grip strength, like you say, like, you know, blow up like beer cans and stuff. That's, that's pretty cool stuff. I remember one of the coolest things I ever saw was, um, actually when I was with you, Lonnie, at one of the, uh, I think Arnold Classics or something, they had that booth and Brad Gillingham, the super heavyweight powerlifter was there and he was, they had some dumbbell there with like an extra thick, handle now he has monster hands but i mean you know they were and i think they were giving things away if anybody walking through the expo could actually pick this thing up yeah that's um, the inch dumbbell you okay know, 100, 172 pounds about it's approximately two and a half inch diameter handle okay. that's got to so. be what i saw yeah i saw a picture i think it was on uh t nation there was a guy and it looked like what i was guessing 180 or 200 pound dumbbell with just this ridiculous diameter grip and he's supposedly doing like one arm rows with it, you know, and it, it just yep. looked, it looked impossible, absolutely impossible. Anyway. Right. Well, I'll tell well, you that's... what, guys, let's, let's go ahead and go to break because I've got a bunch of questions for Bill too. Um, uh, just about, you know, how this pans out in everyday life, you know, some of the fun stuff, like he was saying, crushing beer cans and stuff and, you know, maybe some tips for smaller handed lifters, exercise tips or something like that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, let's just go to break real quick, and when we come back, we'll we'll dig into this some more. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, we're back um, with our show here. We have Bill Pichet, who's a grip strength expert, and he's been telling us a little bit about um, you know, the different... Uh, crushing power uh, tests that you can do with certain grippers and so forth, and a little bit about himself. So this is really interesting stuff. So let's get a little bit, Bill, into, into how all this stuff can, can kind of feed into... I mean, of course, some people are going to want to maybe do this just as an end in and of itself. But I mean, a lot, most of our lifters, you know, of course, are power lifters or bodybuilders or this type of thing. So tell us a little bit about how, you know, just improving grip strength overall can, you know, be a, a you know, benefit to these types of people. Well, one of the things specifically that's interesting is is um, the, the correlation actually that people actually get a, a bigger benefit by doing a normal strength training routine is part of this. And, and the best workouts from a grip strength standpoint come 
after you've been neurologically stimulated from, you know, heavy squats, uh, pulls, etc. So um, always encourage um, people to to perform strength training regardless, and that and that grip becomes a, a secondary thing that they can specialize in. Okay. But they're not going to meet their potential from a grip strength standpoint, in my opinion, and, unless they're doing the other pieces of of grips or uh, overall strength training as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the normal gym is not set up for this very very well at all. And, and one of the things, obviously, that all gyms have, for example, that people can be doing, um, there's the basic farmer's walk um, where, you know, you grab two dumbbells and, and you can, you know, find a place to, to do the walk, so to speak. That helps mm-hmm. uh, from a support standpoint and grip. Um, plate pinch. And I've actually found – sorry to interrupt. I've actually no, found – No, go ahead. Um, specifically, a few years ago, as, as Lonnie actually well knows, I, I was actually went on a kind of a quest to increase my, you know, my gripping strength just because for my deadlift, and and that's pretty much because the place that I train doesn't actually have, as you're saying, specific stuff. So I was doing a lot of that. I was doing a lot of like just holds, dead holds with them, or and or walking with dumbbells, and that really helped me a ton. You know, I would try and increase the weight and the distance walked or just, or just like I said, standing at, you know, with two dumbbells at my side and hold them for increasing lengths of time. And I actually found that really helped me a lot. Yeah, and, and the other thing is plate pinching, uh, you know, where you basically take um, barbell plates. Although most gyms now, if you, they have the fancy plates that have yeah, the, right. the weird handles and everything that you use, obviously those won't work. But it, the old, the normal plates that have a smooth side, you know, you put the smooth sides out, and you can even just do it with dimes. You know, see how many dimes you can put together. Doing five five tens together is pretty darn good from a pinching standpoint. And you, and you put the smooth sides out on those. So, mm-hmm. so people that in most gyms they can they can find just if they can find normal barbell plates, they they can do pinching as well without having any special equipment. Right now, would you when they're doing the pinching these pinching type exercises, do suggest that people try and like you know lodge it further up into the palm or down towards the the, the ends of their fingers it it really is really into the palm fully so your hand is fully around the plate that okay. that works the, the the best from that perspective otherwise it ends ends up being more of a you know, the other thing if there's old plates that have a hub you know you, you can do hub lifting and then it becomes more of a fingertip thing and that can be for someone that's inexperienced and just starting out, it can actually be a, it's more of an advanced thing, and you don't don't want to injure a, a digit, you know. But because you're you're actually out further, you know, from your palm when you start, so so normally you'd want to do your full hand for someone that's just starting to do some some plate pinching. Well, if and, I can if I can just clarify, then I mean, when you talk about that, that suggests you know getting it as deep into your palm as possible. That guys with bigger hands really do have a bio biomechanical advantage there because what you're trying to do is increase the size of your hand in a sense. You know what I mean? Right. Getting more hand around the bar. Right. And the thing that's funny about it, there's always not arguments, but there's always talk about well, the the it's it's no different than basketball. You know, from from when you're talking about, for example, thick bar lifting and yeah, pinching too, and 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 and. Same thing with thick bar deadlifts, for example. When you're when you're trying to lift with a with a say a three inch bar, no different than basketball. You know, if you got someone that's six seven, you know, they're, they're, you're probably not going to have someone that's five foot two in the NBA. 
And so, yeah, with the, the bigger-handed person is going to have an advantage when when it comes to grip as well. There's no there's no question about it when you're talking about, especially mm-hmm. the pinching and open hand type of exercises like the inch dumbbell that you referred to those at the Arnold. Um, so, so yeah, that can become definitely an, an advantage. So the taller the taller the person is with bigger hands, the better. Uh, and and obviously across the the length across the palm, you know, from pinky to thumb tips is obviously so how wide is your hand it's not just the length of the fingers obviously um, so with respect to the normal person at the gym um, plate pinching is, is probably the easiest thing to do in the in the farmer's walker just even holds uh, from that perspective for you know support grip support you know athletes like I said my take is it's one of the it's it's a gem that's that's not not all strength coaches use and especially in the combat sports, is you know football, wrestling, MMA, you know probably even boxing for in and definitely for example a track and field you know shot put, mm-hmm. it, we're talking hand protection uh, with respect to injury, you know the ball comes off funny, um, you know you have the that extra crank to offset potential injury you know if you make a mistaken technique for example or from a shot put standpoint even. Um, I'm a little bit more closer to track and field just because of my, my two kids. So so they had always been working their hands uh, since they, they had gotten started in strength training as part of their overall strength training routine. Um, obviously, football is, is a big one uh, with respect to, to hand strength in general. And then when you're talking about people, a, a normal person at the gym, obviously, you know, straps, you can – you could probably, for the normal person, you start working some hand strength. You probably don't need those straps anymore if you'd used them before. You know, it, where then your grip strength is not going to be a limiting factor. And then, of course, if you want to use straps and you increase your your grip strength, it's pretty obvious that, okay, now I, maybe I can use even more in my back exercises than I did before with straps because I, I've up my hand strength. And so I'm no longer limiting, no longer becomes a limiting factor from that perspective. Um. I was just wondering, I know I've had some problems in the past, and one of the things I had to work, because um, I was doing so much grip in my strongman, was um, finger extension. Is, does that play any part in your Yeah, you bet. Training? You need to do some sort of finger extensions, and it can be as simple as going to uh, the office supply store and uh, getting a big rubber band and, and and working the extension part of it as well. That It's very important to, to do both. And uh, you know, a bucket of sand is another one. You know, yeah. it doesn't cost very much, and you basically can work extensions, um, especially from a recovery and just overall balance, because you can get misbalanced uh, if you don't work, and you can have issues such as the, uh, you know, elbow problems, for example, too, if you're not careful and you overdo it. So mm. definitely, it's it's. I'm glad you brought that up. It's very important to work extensions as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's. Is there a time where you can actually have way too much grip work going on? Yeah, you had way too much grip work going on, especially if you're you're doing your normal strength training. That's why I said it almost be, for for me, for example, you have to choose to specialize, just like anything else. If you're going to get to a high level, you have to be careful when you're doing other things as well. Okay. And with over, I mean, we're talking about more overuse injuries. You could, the, your grip can take a heck of a lot, okay. And when I'm talking about this, is we're, I'm talking about people that are 
well, I, I'm bending, you know, I bent uh, nails all week, and, and, oh, by the way, I'm doing kettlebells, you know, three times a week, and, and, and I'm doing this high-volume gripper work, and, and, and yeah, I, I, doing deadlifts, and so they're doing the whole, the whole gig. But it does take, in my opinion, quite a bit to get there. Um, but you, so you have to, you still have to be careful, um, right. just like anything. But there is, there is more margin, in my opinion, um, from that perspective, to not overdo it. Um, the biggest thing again is people jump into this thing, and and they they go too fast, and and so you do need to be careful and ramp up slowly, and, and not overdo it at the start. And you'll make um, pretty big gains just like normal. If someone, the thing about it is, if you start some direct grip strength training and you've never done it before, um, you got to still go you know slow and steady will win the race so to speak with respect to that if you if you jump right into an advanced type program you're probably going to hurt yourself yeah just like yeah. anything i remember uh years ago when i was uh hearing a, a top lifter say because somebody was asking him um you know how to increase their grip strength for holding on to you know the deadlift and so forth and I, i'll never forget what what he said he was like you know too many people just don't grab onto weight and hold them right everybody's so reliant these days on wrist straps and these types of things and it really kind of, you know, set set a tone in me for, you know, up until this point now, the whole idea of that, that, you know, I mean, fundamentally, I think it probably all starts in just, you know, holding on to things, correct? Right, that's correct. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, you know what, I mean, guys, if I can just interject, I think, you know, earlier Bill sort of alluded to sort of potentiation, you know, when your nervous system is already kind of humming, your grip is probably better. And I'm, I'm guessing that goes both ways. You know, that I've actually noticed that I tend to do better when I'm doing low rack pulls or something if I'm intentionally gripping the hell out of that bar, you know, as opposed to just thinking about maybe my upper back or something else. You know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. that kind of nervous system stimulation kind of goes both ways. I think really, you know, just like when we had Bill Eben on talking about mouthpieces, excuse me, and, you know, gritting down on a mouthpiece, I think gripping the hell out of something also probably, you know, does nothing but help the lift as well, just from a you know central drive kind of perspective. Well, weren't you talking about that a couple of weeks ago, Phil? About the whole because Phil's our resident you know deadlift elite here, and I think you were just talking about that a few weeks ago, Phil. About the whole concept of you know if you really can't grip hard on the deadlift, you're, you're missing out on a lot of the torquing you'll get in actually lifting the weight. Yeah, and I won't. I personally won't lift anything that I can't lift. Um. That's, I don't know, that's just part like of that you can't hold on to, you mean? Yeah, that I can't hold on to with my bare okay. hands. I just, I just feel I don't deserve the right to pick it up. Um, well, no, but there's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, there's not saying, that's not saying I won't use straps. Um, but let's say I'm doing a bunch of rack work that's real heavy. My first set or two, I'm doing it without. Okay. And then it's like, okay, my friggin' hands hurt now. I've, I've proven the point I can do this. And then I'll strap up and, and give my hands a break. But I do, and I did that more when I was in Strongman. Just because everything you do just killed your hands. Yeah. You'd go from deadlifts to farmer's walks to this to that, and uh, I just found I, I was overtraining my grip, and my grip got worse. So at a point, I had to throw on straps to, to train the rest of my body. You know, um, and, I, and I do something so similar. I always make sure I do all my deadlifts without any straps, and then, you know, uh, depending on how beat up my hands are, I'll use maybe straps mm-hmm. on the subsequent accessory stuff. Bill, yeah. um, Bill. tell us how... Guys like us, like Phil and me and our powerlifters out there, how would you format, again, bearing in mind that most of us don't have specific equipment in the gym 
to maybe train specificity of grip. Well, how would it, but you know, say we're going to do our, would you advise the kind of the access, more accessory kind of grip work to be done after a deadlift type thing or? Yeah, I do, I do it as an, uh, uh, you know, auxiliary type, type exercise. You know, okay. especially, you know, being in a gym, if you don't, you don't want to purchase any special equipment and don't really want to get into the grip feats aspect of it as a, as an offshoot of your, of your powerlifting goals. That's really where I go with that and, and do pinching, you know, because that's probably the, the easiest thing that you don't get normally is open hand type stuff. That's now, what I definitely. But how would you format it? Like, I mean, do you do sets for a certain specific period no, of time? No, I do, I do more like, more like uh, singles, you know, 80, 80 to 90% singles myself. Okay, you know, and just with, like hold it for as long pinching. as you can? No, I, you, you can mix it up. The one, the biggest thing is putting in some progression. There's no absolutes where, you know, you got to do, you know, this hold for this amount of time. Um, I definitely wouldn't do super long holds that can have a tendency to burn you out. You probably better just whether you can lift it or not to start with. And how long would you spend? And how long would you advise somebody to to maybe spend on that? I mean, I, mean, I know that's kind of a really open-ended. Yeah. But, but I mean, <laughs> because I mean, yeah, I mean, I know that's kind of a, it's a hard question to answer. But I mean, for, again, for a general guy who's trying to deadlift as much weight as he can just wants to be, you know, at a competitive So I would say I'd put it in the same line as your normal other auxiliary exercises that you're doing for the power lift. Okay. However you do that, I would mix it in the same way. Okay. And and I definitely wouldn't, you know, in talking out loud here, I definitely wouldn't do it for, for a timed whole thing from a powerlifting standpoint if you're doing the open hand pinching stuff. I would do it either you get it or you don't type of thing from uh, um, doing singles. Okay, so you would and, just, like, and, say you're doing the pinching thing with the plates, you would just set them down beside you and stand up with them and then control, go back down with them? Yep. Okay. Yep. Eight to ten singles, for example, you know, uh, right. and consider that, you could call that a set, basically, okay. and, and do however many sets you normally do for your ox-type exercises. And and I think you'll find, again, that you're going to, you'll probably go up, Pretty quick, and eventually you're gonna you're gonna be going. When you get start getting hooked on it, you're gonna be going, man. Hey, pinching those two forty five smooth side out, man. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I can really. I was saying this in the early part of the show. I was saying I can see how, for people who are you know <laughs> really invested in getting strong, how something like as seemingly simple as just grip strength can become something that you really really want to master. Because I and and I mean I'm gonna be frank with you. I didn't really realize there was such a pursuit by some people, you know, to, to, to be so elite at strength, you know, um, grip strength and so forth. So, And, and right. as far as strongman, that, that's why I was mentioning, and he, you, know, you mentioned about how getting your grip gets so beat up because there's a lot, you, you do work grip a lot in, in strongman, so by definition, that's why I said they tend to be, you know, in other words, give them a captain's across three gripper and, you know, they probably close it, you know. And so they have, you know, a strongman, for example, that's doing well is going to have obviously different goals, and he's already getting the grip work. And you look at the strongman events, I mean, even the holds type things, you know, that's part of the event is grip strength overall. So um, doing, doing a specific extra grip strength thing is like doubling up. Right. So Now, can, how can people um, get a hold of you directly, Bill, on the so grip they can, board? Or? they can... Yeah, they can just get a hold of me on on the grip board. I when I first started, um, my username there is Wanna Grip. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> that was uh, when I first started, and yeah, uh, You've uh, gone a lot further since then. 
Yeah, they can easily get a hold of me there. And Okay, and, so yeah, uh, for our listeners out there, check it out. Um, again, mashmonster.com or the Grip Board, which is gripboard.com. And actually, I, for all listeners, go check out the uh, mashmonster.com, the, the little picture. It's uh, very cool. <laughs> if you're into strength, the picture alone will kind of draw you in. Kind of neat. Well, those guys they get certificates too. We actually email certificates. So when you when you had the different all the way from level zero all the way up, you we uh, we email certificates with your name and and everything as part of the certification. So right, right. With this that is logo. very this is very cool stuff. And uh, you know, so for our listeners, Bill P- Pichet, um, you know, visit him over on the gripboard.com. Um, this is great stuff. We really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, Bill. Yeah, thanks for being hey, with well, us. Hey, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun, and uh, yeah, again, no, it I, has really, been I really enjoy, enjoy listening to your show. By the way, so oh well, thank you. I mean, it, you know, and it thank that's you. the cool thing about this show. You know, we we got a lot of people who listen that are just learning about a lot of this stuff. But you know, we've heard from a lot of people who listen to the show that are every bit the kind of the you know quote unquote experts that we are in our fields. So it's it's cool to have kind of like this community of people who you know, like again, like none of us are you know. I would consider to be grip experts. You are, you know, and you're a listener of the show. And we, we've got a lot of these types of people. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very cool, actually. It is kind of building a kind of an iron radio brotherhood, sisterhood. So, very cool. Anyway, um, so, yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, again, thanks, Bill, and thanks for tuning in. Thanks a lot. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the -the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount. However, obviously I've done it for that purpose. I did it because like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place. That's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast 
and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.